Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Being Inspired Radio Show. I am your host, Amanda Johnson, and today we continue with my new book, Becoming Enough. If you're new to the show or just picking up on this episode, for the last six or so episodes, I have been reading aloud a chapter of my book each week to share what I consider such an important message and such a creation of love and truth with everyone in a new format, in a free format. And it also gives me a chance to uh, practice before I get my audiobook ready and launched to the world. And it gives you an opportunity to listen in and hear what truth is speaking to you. And if that's all it is, fantastic. If you feel compelled to buy the book, or go get the Kindle version on Amazon, you can certainly do that too. So we will continue today. We are in part two, the adventure. Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Oscar Wilde. Chapter seven, equalizing comparison. I've already confessed that I've struggled to see myself as good enough. But here's the thing I like to keep tucked away even further. I also struggle with thinking I'm better than you. If I'm not in some way better than, I feel the pain of not being enough. This has been my story, and one I'm currently rewriting. This has been the way I've remained separate, from myself and from others. I fear that if I'm connected to you, I could never prove my worth as if my worth, my enoughness, is found in segregation. For as long as I can remember, I would walk into a room and immediately size up each and every person. I would see you make an error and secretly celebrate, determining myself better and therefore worthy. Sometimes I would even point it out or make sure you notice how I didn't make a mistake, at least not one that big. Being better doesn't mean I never mess up, It just means I don't mess up as badly as you do. While in a yoga class one day, our instructor reminded us how we are all enough, that we're not lacking or in need of anything else. We're whole and complete in this very moment. Every day when I show up on my mat, I experience a different practice. Sometimes I go deeper or fall out of a posture sooner than before. I'm constantly changing from moment to moment, my body, mind, emotions, thoughts. The temptation might be to compare my present self to a past or future version. I might think of how much I used to weigh or how much money I could make and think that's how much it should be now, as if my present self is somehow lacking. Why do I spend so much time in this longing, this comparison, this desire to have more, be more, do more? Because I haven't yet come to terms with the truth. My absolute self is timeless and completely unchanging, which means that whatever I have been and will be, I already am. Being disconnected from this leads to judgment. And judgment keeps me from connecting with my true self. It's a vicious cycle. The real practice is to accept the version on the mat in this present moment. 
I can't believe I'm better if I don't in some way believe or fear that I'm less. One cannot exist without the other. Becoming enough is my journey to bring myself back to a healthy level of relating to myself and others. It's a journey of realizing that I'm already whole and perfect and need not prove it anymore. I don't have to stand on a pedestal and shout it out for all to hear. I don't need to keep others below me to feel okay. As I start to see and accept my own perfection, I'm able to extend that knowing to others, which means they are not less or better than me. We're all whole and complete. But for a very long time, I couldn't see it this way. If you did things that didn't match my understanding or seemed wrong, I would look at you and think, poor you, or what is your problem? Now I'm learning to say, that's interesting. Perhaps that works for you. While writing this chapter, I noticed this deep-rooted belief that different is bad, different is wrong. I imagine I'm not the only one who sees it this way, given the prevalence of hate crimes and war that plague humanity. Xenophobia is a part of our evolutionary biology, after all, protecting us from potential enemies, ensuring our survival. What we don't know is threatening. Typically, when you compare, you differentiate. This leads to uncertainty, so you attempt to protect yourself. You can either see yourself as wrong and choose their way through imitation, becoming a part of their group. You can see them as wrong and rebel, maintaining your individuality. Or you can see them as wrong and attempt to control them by forcing them to follow your way and killing them off if they don't. What I finally realized is that comparison in and of itself is neutral. It simply notices the similarities or dissimilarities between things, which doesn't imply bad or wrong. It's only when I come from a place of judgment that I feel the need to protect myself with the cloak of comparison. This leads to separation, the opposite thing I'm going for. The cloak serves as a false sense of connection by comparing everything on a surface level while covering up the fact that we are ultimately connected, cut of the same cloth. It's not our differences that truly scare us. It's the truth we are all one that is terrifying to the ego. The ego thrives on separation and feeling different than others. If I remove the cloak and compare in a healthy, non-judgmental way, I have to accept that we are far more similar than I want to believe and see surface-level differences as non-threatening. I have to accept that those things I see in you are also in me, wanted or unwanted. My false self no longer gets to parade around saying, see, I'm so superior to you, I'm far more powerful. Equally, it doesn't get to say, see, I'm so much worse off than you, I'm not nearly as powerful. I no longer get to think that power is found in separation and difference, but rather in connection and integration. If we are equal, that means I don't get to be especially amazing or especially tragic. On a sunny day in Peru, while feeling the wisdom of San Pedro course through my body, I begin to explore the house of my shaman, which is supposed to be off-limits during ceremony. When he finds me, instead of asking me to leave, he offers to give me a tour. Immediately I light up and think, I am so special. 
As quickly as that thought occurs, I want to reject it as unkind or thoughtless of others. Then, Grandfather Medicine reminds me that I am special. We all are, and there is nothing bad or wrong for believing this. The separation occurs when I think I am the only one who is special or am more special than you. I hate to break it to you, but you are just as special as I am. The ego loves to fool me into thinking I'm not safe if I see the interconnection and equality of all things. So it uses judgment to differentiate and cause more separation. As an actor, I would consistently walk into an audition and within moments size up each and every person, comparing myself to each one and critiquing who falls where. If we're one, then I don't know where I rank in the hierarchy. If I'm not on the top, then I'm dinner. I don't get the role. I was trying to protect myself. It took years before it would occur to me that perhaps you were simply a better fit for the part and it had nothing to do with my personal character or ability or survival. When you remove the cloak, you start to see how everything around you, including the magnificent sunset or the awe-inspiring mountaintop, is a reflection of your inner perfect self. As you begin to experience this divine interconnectedness, you no longer fear losing yourself, nor do you need a false cloak of comparison to keep yourself feeling safe and connected to all things. Awakening to the knowledge that we are all connected, all cut of the same cloth, is the death of the ego. The ego's entire purpose is to separate through illusion. If I see us as one, we must be equal. If we are equal, my ego no longer has anything to hang its hat on. Or should I say cloak? Without my cloak, I must accept that there is something much larger by which we are all connected. I must be willing to extend grace and compassion to myself and others, which is often the last thing I want to do. I must be willing to release judgment and simply observe you for who you truly are. I no longer get to take the easy way out and look to you to tell me what to do. While uncomfortable and awkward at first, much like going on a first date, realizing the truth of interconnectedness eventually feels like sitting down with a long-lost friend over a cup of coffee, staring into her eyes, sharing your deepest secrets, and feeling seen, loved, and safe in her presence. Many of us have been socialized our entire lives to trust that so-and-so knows best. First, it's parents, then teachers, mentors, friends, the expert, the person who is offering a webinar. The list goes on and on. Starting at a very early age, I was discouraged, if not flat-out restricted, from listening to my inner knowing. I was told to stop crying, how I should feel, when to eat, what to eat, when to go to bed, how to spend my time, what hobbies to enjoy, how to spend my money, what job to get, what relationship is best. I was told I have to or should even when it didn't feel right. By the time I was 19 years old, my soul's knowing told me to move to New York, that I would be okay. But by this point, I had been conditioned to listen to everyone other than my inner wisdom. They knew what was best. Once that inner voice gets drowned out, before you know it, you're looking to everyone but yourself for your answers, worth, okayness. 
We live in a self-help age where we are inundated with the top 10 secrets or a how-to on any topic you could ever imagine. We're told that to be successful, you just need to follow these three steps. We're offered up expert after expert who supposedly has the answer. Frustrated and exhausted, you attempt to find your own way amidst all this noise. I'm not suggesting you stop acquiring knowledge or skills. This is part of the journey. I'm done thinking that who I am isn't enough, but I'm certainly not done learning. I still look to others, but now I do it with a different intention. Instead of seeking out teachings to give me the answer or to offer me something that I'm missing, I now see them pointing me back to what I already know to be true within. Sometimes this is easier said than done. I have done a great job over the course of my life to cover up my inner knowing with other people's opinions, obligations, childhood wounds, limiting beliefs, and dependencies. The journey invites me to clear that all away. Revealing your inner wisdom is sometimes uncomfortable as it asks you to do things that you aren't always willing to do, like bite your tongue, move out of your apartment, quit your job, write the book, leave the relationship, stick it out. It asks you to step outside your comfort zone and experiment with new ways of being. The times in my life I find myself picking up my cloak of comparison is when I'm least trusting of what it is I'm doing. The more I'm living in doubt, the more I use the cloak to keep me safe. However, when I'm feeling connected to my inner knowing, I have no need to compare myself to past or future versions or see how others are doing it. As a path paver in this uncharted world, I have many opportunities to doubt myself. I'm asked to take my connection to my inner GPS to a whole new level. I'm bombarded with three steps to success and hundreds of experts who tell me how to promote my book, make six figures, or lose 10 pounds. There is a formula for pretty much everything. If I follow this step-by-step -step approach, my life can look just like yours. My ego reaches for its cloak all in an attempt to feel more certain. I use other people as a gauge, a measure, a yardstick of sorts. I think that if it worked for them, it must work for me. And if it looks different, I must be doing it wrong. The mask of doubt and cloak of comparison go hand in hand. The more I doubt my true self, the more I seek my truth in someone else. One day, I was on social media and saw an ad for this incredibly successful woman in the online world. I immediately felt that sinking feeling in my stomach and the spiraling of doubts and insecurities, wondering if I need to learn more about online marketing and teach people how to do that, because that seems to make money. Then I paused. I noticed these thoughts and feelings swirling all around me, and I recommitted to my soul's work in the world and how I want to serve. This can feel difficult sometimes when there are so many incredibly successful and smart people all around you. It can be all too easy to get in this place of comparison and thoughts like, I need to do things more like them. It's a lack of connection and trust in your true self that leads to imitation. A million people all starting businesses, driving cars, living in houses, having relationships, wearing clothes that all look the same. Before you know it, you are no longer focusing on what matters most to you, what lights you up, what resonates with your soul's longing, what's already in here.
As I first learn how to navigate this new authentic world, I find myself doing this time and time again. On one such occasion, I have this realization that when I copy someone else and do it her way, I'm covering up a fear that I have nothing original to offer. Of course, my infinite self knows this isn't true. When I'm authentically true to myself, I do things in an original way, which means there is no copy or imitation even if it's similar to someone else. This is what your authentic self is, real, existing from the beginning, genuine. It's the limitlessness that is terrifying to the ego because it's in the eternal, the infinite, where the ego dies. If I no longer look to others to show me the way or tell me what to do, I have endless possibilities. It's up to the divine navigator within to show me the way. When I take your word for it, do it your way, follow your 10-step formula, and ignore my authentic voice, I'm offloading my responsibility. It requires radical self-responsibility to be authentic, to stand in my true knowing. It requires me to get clear on what I truly desire, to wipe away the fog and take a good long look in the mirror at the already perfect self. It requires I show up consciously as a co-creator of my life, as opposed to running on autopilot, doing what others tell me to do, or rebelling out of spite. When I initially left my cloak hanging in the closet, I found that I had to get to know my true desires for one of the first times in my life. At first, if mentors or experts said to use my social media platform to connect with my audience and build my tribe, I followed suit. Because it wasn't aligned with my true self, it didn't work. After realizing this, I was told that to expand my reach and sell my services, I needed to post in a certain number of groups a day. I refused. It felt completely inauthentic to me, and I didn't want to do it just because I was supposed to. This isn't to say people don't have great success connecting with others on social media. It simply highlights that just because others do something doesn't mean you need to or will have the same experience if you do. For so long, I had chosen conformity and imitation that I needed to distance myself from that in order to know what was true for me. After learning to say no, I learned to discern what felt true to me even if others were doing it. I didn't need to be stubborn just for the sake of being stubborn. Even though a lot of people launch radio shows, and some as a strategic move for their business, I noticed how aligned it was to my soul, so I did it. And not as a business tactic, but because it completely lights me up. One beautiful fall Wednesday in San Francisco, I found myself lying in the park for hours not doing anything. I was reconnecting with my beloved Michael after having been apart for nearly two months. I noticed all these other people in the park in the middle of the day and thought, I wonder if any of them are also thinking that they are wasting time and should be doing something else. I started to compare my experience with theirs. I was looking for them to validate my enoughness. If they were confident in their knowing that this was a perfectly acceptable way to spend one's time, then I could feel good also seeing it that way. Immediately, I heard this voice within me say, It doesn't matter. They are each on their own journey, and you are on yours. This is what it's like to be connected with my inner wisdom and no longer need to look to others for validation. This journey is a bit like a set of Russian nesting dolls. 
it starts with the outermost doll covering up my fear of not being worthy, so I parade around as better or less than, creating separation. Then, the next doll reveals my fear that I'm not connected to myself or others, so I go around trying to be more like you, thinking this will fill that hole. I can then compare how I measure up and either feel superior or inferior. The next doll represents my deeper fear of true connection, true oneness. So I rebel or shun you. I refuse to see us as similar, so I do what I can to feel separate and different, unique or special. Once I see the true fear for what it is, I reveal the final doll that represents how we are all interconnected and I no longer need to conform or rebel since I've now reached the reality of who we are and see us as one. It doesn't matter if on the surface I'm like you or not, or do things the way you do them or not. Neither is good nor bad. Neither validates my worth or goodness. Neither makes us any more or less equal. The fact is, what I see in you is already living within me. The brilliance, success, joy, happiness, sadness, sorrow, anger, self-destruction, dis-ease. It's all in here because we all come from the same source. This is why there is no real separation. In those moments when I compare and see myself as less than, I'm choosing to forget that the brilliance, wisdom, and strength I perceive in you is lying dormant within. When I see myself as better than, I'm choosing to forget that I too feel pain, addiction, separation, and disconnection. All those things you hate about other people, the things that irritate you, the things that you find yourself getting so upset about, look more closely. You might be surprised to find those things are in your very own backyard, parts of yourself that you are disowning. You don't need to strive to keep those unwanted parts hidden, no matter how repulsive, off-putting, or daunting they may seem. All it does is manifest weeds that prevent your flowers from thriving. Rather, you need to acknowledge them, learn to cultivate them, and grow compassion for them. You might find they won't take over in a negative way if you add them to your compost and use them as fertilizer. My shaman in Peru introduced me to a new perspective of compassion based on the teachings of Pima Chodron. Allowing someone's, including my, experience to be what it is. She says, quote, Having compassion starts and ends with having compassion for all those unwanted parts of ourselves. The healing comes from letting there be room for all this to happen. Room for grief, for relief, for misery, for joy, end quote. So long as we separate out parts of ourselves as good and bad, we separate ourselves from others. We remain disconnected. The practice is to see our unity within ourselves and with others. Like Chodron says, quote, compassion is not a relationship between the healer and the wounded. It's a relationship between equals. Only when we know our own darkness well can we be present with the darkness of others. Compassion becomes real when we recognize our shared humanity." End quote. 
Our shared humanity includes both the unwanted and wanted parts. All those things you admire about other people are also in your own backyard, just waiting to push up through the soil and blossom into beautiful flowers. Once I start to notice how your magnificence is a reflection of what is within me, my entire world shifts. I no longer feel jealous or envious. I see you as a representation of what's possible and already living within me at this very moment. This is the gift of being one. We are limitless, which means there is an infinite amount of success to be had, joy to be felt, happiness to be experienced, and goodness to be expressed. It's our lack mentality and forgetting our true nature that we are equally as deserving that breeds jealousy and envy. Like all the other disguises of judgment, when you use comparison as a false protection, you don't get a chance to reveal to yourself and the world that your enoughness is enough. Whether that comes in a straight, gay, black, white, male, female, addicted, thin, or full-figured package. There is no need to compare and put some above or below others. Who we truly are is the same. Enough is enough is enough. And the enough within is far beyond what you could ever imagine. It's not through your cloak of comparison that you will discover your worthiness. It's by seeing yourself as whole and equal with all things that will reveal your magnitude. I see my essence and power reflected back to me through you. When I learn of your success, your strength, your perspective, I now see what is living within me. I get a clearer picture of my own limitlessness and potential. Instead of going into a spiral of how to be more like you, I ask how I can be more of me. During a personal development program, I sat in a circle with a few people and heard them share how they see themselves, the gifts they have to offer, the essence of who they are. In that moment, I experienced deep emotion move through my body. I asked my facilitator what was happening, and he shared with me that I was experiencing the truth of seeing my own inner essence reflected back to me by each person. What I heard, felt, and witnessed was so beautiful that it brought tears to my eyes. This is what happens when we are willing to experience our true connection. Comparison isn't something to fix or defeat. When you choose observation over judgment, it offers you an opportunity to reconnect with your true self and see your interconnectedness with all things. Through this lens, comparison now offers us a way of observing our surface level differences non-judgmentally and the similar qualities we share at our core with joy and greater compassion. I no longer see myself as different when I compare. I now see the divine sameness we share. As Thich Nhat Hanh explains in You Are Here, quote, look into yourself and you will see that you are not a separate entity. You carry in you the whole of the cosmos, end quote. He poetically relates this to the flower, which has within it the sun and the rain and the earth and everything that came before it. Like electrons are made up of all other electrons, we are made up of all other things. This interconnected, limitless world has offered me many gifts and opportunities to reveal the truth of who I am, 
who we all are. This journey to the center of my being has asked that I face many so-called enemies and meet my true allies. It has revealed illusions and lies that I've been telling myself in an attempt to cover up the reality. I have used my chisel of curiosity to chip away at the block of granite, revealing the perfect sculpture that has been there all along. I have faced the messiness of what it means to be whole, remembering that it is out of the messiness that transformation can occur. With my true self taking the wheel, I'm now ready to return home with my treasures, but the journey is not yet over. All this has prepared me to confront my ultimate fear before the utmost treasure can be unburied. Now that I recognize the inherent connection of all things and know that I'm always okay and no longer need my false protections to keep me safe, I must face the scariest question of all. Can I fearlessly stand in my power and allow you to stand in yours? I'm beginning to realize that the adventure has not just been for me. It's taught me how to fly so I can serve as inspiration for others that they too can fly. And there you have it. That is the end of chapter seven and the end of part two from Becoming Enough, a heroine's journey to the already perfect self. I've so enjoyed sharing the first two parts of this book with you and trust that you are receiving exactly what you are meant to receive through this. And if you're anything like me and know that you are a visual learner more than an audio learner, I do encourage you to go out and buy the book. Sometimes we just need to see it in front of us, be able to touch it and underline it and highlight it and flip back to it over and over again. And if that is you, then you can find the book on Amazon, either in paperback or Kindle version. Or if you live here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, you can buy it at our local Zanbro's bookstore. I will finish out part three over the next few weeks, with the next few episodes. So do stay tuned. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the radio show so that you are notified of all of the latest episodes as they come out. And then I imagine I will be getting back into interviews and other solo shows where we explore truth and what it means to do this thing called life in a way that inspires us to ultimately remember over and over again who we truly are. Thank you so much for tuning in and until next time, many blessings.